You're listening to the Resurgent ATL Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message. Okay, so I'm going to do this again this Sunday, okay? This is going to be a good one. Y'all are going to enjoy this. An old geezer (laughs) who had been a retired farmer for a long time became very bored and decided to open a medical clinic. He put a sign up outside that said, get your treatment for $500. If not cured, get back 1000 So Dr. Young, who was positive that this old geezer didn't know beans about medicine, thought this would be a great opportunity to get $1,000. He went to Dr. Geezer's clinic, and this is what happened. Dr. Young said, Dr. Geezer, I've lost all my taste in my mouth. Can you please help me? Dr. Geezer, nurse, please bring medicine from box 22 and put three drops in Dr. Young's mouth. Dr. Young, oh, this is gasoline. Dr. Geezer, congratulations, you got your taste back. (laughs) That'll be $500. Dr. Young gets really annoyed and goes back after a couple of days figuring he'll recover his money. Dr. Young, I have lost my memory. I can't remember anything. Dr. Geezer said, nurse, please bring medicine from box 22 and put three drops in the patient's mouth. Dr. Young, oh, no, you don't. That's gasoline. Dr. Geezer, congratulations. You've got your memory back. (laughs) That'll be $500. Dr. Young, after having lost $1,000, leaves angrily and comes back after several more days. Dr. Young, my eyesight has become weak. I can hardly see. Dr. Geezer. Well, I don't have any medicine for that, so here's your $1,000 back. Dr. Young said, but this is only $500. Dr. Geezer said, congratulations, you got your vision back. That'll be $500. So the moral of the story is, don't mess with old geezers or old people. Come on. Am I, I'm not going to answer that. <laughs> oh, man. How's everybody doing today? Woo! Woo! I figured I'd sit today. Are you guys okay with that? No? Somebody, who said no? <laughs> Luke, Luke, Luke. Okay. Well, uh, you know, Scott actually mentioned today during uh, communion, you know, we had the privilege and the honor to actually share and be a part of uh, Gary Lassiter's celebration going home to be with the Father last Monday. And uh, wow, it was an extreme honor for us because one of the things I always kind of, when I go to funerals and where we see where we lose loved ones and friends, it makes you kind of recant some things and, and really start thinking about the process around what is it, what is the purpose of us? What is the purpose of you? What is the purpose of this person or that person? And uh, we went, man, for a little over an hour, the whole service was just nothing but a celebration of talking about the purpose of why Gary Laster was on this earth. And every single person in that room had some kind of connection, had some kind of funny story. I mean, we had a couple hundred people in there, and it was kind of amazing. At one point, uh, somebody that was sharing a testimony about Gary got up and said, uh, how many of you in here have been out to eat with Gary? And I'm not lying, the entire room raised their hand. I mean, how, how does that happen? I mean, it's just like, wow, the intentionality of that. 
And so I, I kind of thought around that this week, and I just was thinking, you know, I, th- I think we all need a good reminder of the purpose of being us and the purpose of being you. And, um, you know, the mission of Jesus was not to begin a Christian club or a Christian religion. It was literally to give us back our purpose. It was to redeem the image and the likeness of God in human form. In human form. You know, Genesis 20, 126 says, Let us make man in our image. And in the image of God, he created them, man and woman. Uh, he then commanded them, and he said, Be fruitful, take dominion, govern, and rule. And even when man failed because of disobedience, Jesus came to redeem it all. And he did redeem it all. And, um, you know, your greatest anointing that you have, you know, we hear this, oh, he has this anointing or he has that anointing or, you know, that person's very anointed. Let me tell you something. The greatest anointing you will ever have is your identity. Okay? And you'll, you'll, you might want to think about that for a minute because you might like, well, what? Just my identity, not just your identity. Galatians 2.20 says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So when we talk about our identity as Christians, we're not just talking about us as human beings. We're talking about us as supernatural beings because our identity is hidden in Christ. And his identity is in us. And really, it's not even hidden unless you hide it personally yourself. And so, you know, you have, we have this supernatural edge uh, of the Holy Spirit within each one of us. And you might need to stop waiting for permission to be yourself. So I, I, this morning, I just want to say, you don't need permission to be you, to be who you were called to be and who God has uh, absolutely cherished, loved, and given up his entire life for, for you to have that identity. Um, You know, this is so important because your freedom affects the planet. Your freedom personally affects the planet. And your understanding about who you are gives other people the ability to pull on the breakthrough that you naturally carry because of Jesus on the inside of you. And so we've got to be aware constantly that, hey, I do have a purpose. I am supposed to be here. God has set me in place in this time, in this age, to make a difference. I, I love the other night, I got a little quick testimony. The other night, Terry and I went out to eat with a couple from here from church. I think it was Thursday night. We went to the battery, isn't that right? And uh, my wife is pretty quiet. She, she's very, uh, she, she's not very boisterous. She can be when she needs to be. But she's not one of these people that just, every time you turn around, she's giving somebody a word. And uh, she's over here thinking, what is he fixing to say? I promise I won't embarrass you, baby. Uh, so we were out at, uh, what, what's the name of the restaurant over there? Uh, anyway, it was a good one. It was over in the Battery. And um, we, uh, we, got, we, were, we were getting our dinner served to us, and there was a young lady who was our waitress. And halfway through the, you know, through the time of her serving us, my wife kind of, leaned over and and she began to give her a word, which my wife doesn't do that on a regular basis. So I was like really kind of like thrown back, like, wow, this uh, this is awesome. And so she gave this young woman a word. And as she began to unpack the word for her, this young lady got, I mean, she had a mask on, but she, she pulled her mask down. She started tearing up and crying and she got massively emotional. 
And uh, my wife just gave her amazing word, speaking to her identity, speaking about how much God loved her, how much the Father was for her, and uh, about her destiny. And uh, she just got she just got shook up big time. And uh, I was proud of my wife, baby. I was proud of you for doing that tonight. And that that the rest of the evening, that young lady was just head over. He, I mean, she was just on cloud nine. And even when we left. Uh, she literally uh, hugged us. I mean, like, hugged us. And, you know, what is so important about where we're at right now with understanding what the purpose of being you is is because we're living in a time right now where people need uh, connection. They need to hear that they're valuable. They need to hear that they're loved. They need to hear that God has a special plan for their life. That's not going to happen if you're scared to be you. And you're scared because your identity has not fully caught up with the identity God has spoken over you. And so it's our responsibility as, as his kids to understand that if we've had past paradigms or things that have happened in our lives, we need to get over those things and realign our thoughts with his thoughts about who we are. Because his mind has never changed one bit about who he thinks you are. Period. Period. So let me read in John 17, uh, John 17, 18 through 23. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. John 17, 18 through 23. I know there's a lot of verses, but I, I think it's really important that we read this in context. 18 through 23. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. And I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. So that includes every one of us, because we're all, okay? All of them that have believed in, in, their mess, in this message uh, I pray that in me, through their message, I pray that they will be all one, just as you and I are one, and as you are in me, Father, I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so that they may be one as we are one. And that, that's kind of what I, wanna, I, want, I want you to focus on for a minute is, that Jesus has given us his glory. And I think that's, that's not a small deal. That's, that's a, that is a huge deal because what Jesus did is he legitimized us by making us one with him and by giving us his glory. And uh, it's no small thing. You know, and when we talk about him giving us that glory, it seems so contradictory to what we've been taught, even what we've read in the Old Testament. I mean, how many times have you heard from people, oh, don't do that, you're going to steal God, the glory from God? Have you, how many, have you ever heard that phrase? You guys are all either not telling the truth or something. Because I know I've heard that phrase numerous times. Isn't that right, Jake? I got one person who agrees with me. Okay. So here's the deal, because we look at Isaiah, even in Isaiah it says 42.8, God says, my glory I give to no other. Okay, that was in Isaiah. What we've got to realize, though, is that much of the church teaches blended theology. And that's where we mix old covenant with new covenant and get, and what do we get from that? Powerless results. That's what we get is powerless results. And um, Galatians 5.4 
uh, Paul is talking, and he's talking to the Galatians because the Galatians were having issues because they were trying to, they had gotten put back under the law from scribes and Pharisees and things like that because Paul wasn't around. And so that teaching crept back in. And basically Paul was telling the Galatians in 5.4, for if you were trying to make yourself right with God by keeping the law, you have been cut off from Christ. <laughs> cut off from Christ. You have fallen away from God's grace. Totally fallen away from God's grace. You got cut off because now what God's given you as a gift, you're trying to live from a place of... Uh, attaining it again through your works. And here's the deal. God's favor is unmerited. It's unmerited. We can't do anything to earn God's favor. Everybody say amen to that. Amen. You know, it's something that we don't earn. It's, it's, we didn't do anything to gain God's grace. It's through God's immeasurable love, immeasurable love. I'll say that again because I think I said it wrong. That uh, God's love and his, and, and his grace is there for us. And we have, to look, uh, we have to look through the redemptive lenses of Christ, like glasses. We have to look through the redemptive lenses of Christ because it changes everything, you know. And I really believe that glory here is ab actually, it's not just the presence of God, uh, the great radiance presence of God, but it's God inhabiting his people. That's what he's talking about with his glory. And, you know, there's so many of us that just accept to live from a place of visitation versus from a place of habitation. And that's not what God wants for us. He wants you to live from a place of habitation. You have the ability to live from a place of habitation. You really do. And if you don't believe that, then you need to dispel the lies that you've been, li you've been li living and, and, and turn your ear back. To say, and we're gonna, we'll, we'll point that out because the gift, the, his, his glory his glory, I believe, is the Holy Spirit. I believe that's what it is because the Holy Spirit makes us one with him. And, uh, you know, in John 7, 38 and 39, uh, well, let me read this. John 7, 38 and 39, because it's kind of it's, it's like a timeline. It's good uh, to see this. John 7, 38 and 39, it says, um, anyone who believes in me may come and... Uh, may come and drink, for the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Did he say some people? He said everyone. It'll be given to everyone that believes in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered into his glory. Now, we look and you say, okay, what does that mean? Well, in Luke 24, 49, Jesus says also, and now I will send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Of course, he's referring to, uh, this was right before uh, he went to the cross, he's referring to the disciples to say, hey, don't do anything, don't leave the city, don't start going out on the commission that I gave you until you get filled with the power. With my power. And so we see in Acts chapter 2 where the Holy Spirit falls and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they're all, they all become one and they're unified because of the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we see that God did something that was so special. And Jesus said, I gave my glory to them. The glory you gave me, I gave to them. And that is so, it is so important to, to really see that and know that. Colossians 1, 19 and 20. Let me read this. 
Colossians 1.19. That's Galatians, let's see. 1.19 and 20. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. Man, that's, we could go home right there. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, who's him? Jesus. God reconciled everything to himself. Okay? He reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. So, God absolutely sent Jesus so that he could live through Jesus here on this earth to show us that a man, a man who had given his heart and had submitted his entire will to him could live and walk in a supernatural place. And he did it so that we would be redeemed back to him because of what the first Adam was not able to do, the second Adam was able to do. And so we see this in Colossians 1, 19 and 20, that God was pleased to do this. And God came as a man and redeemed us back to our purpose. What was our purpose? Again, to be fruitful, to take dominion, to govern, to rule in his name, and to bring balance back, balance back to all of creation and preach what? The good news. Preach the good news. What is the good news? That Jesus came. To, to save us from our sins, to redeem us, and to give us eternal life. And not to live in a place of defeat anymore, but live from a place of victory. That's the good news. You know, in John, uh, Jesus said also in John 7, uh, I'm going to go back and look at this again. It says, John 17, 20. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we, wa- we are one. That ability to be one, again, only comes through receiving the Holy Spirit, who is a part of the Father and the Son. And you know what's truly miraculous about this is the fact that God does not share his glory with any other, but he shares it with us because of what Jesus did. And that glory is to be a, a, a sign to the people that are in this world that he lives on the inside of us. And when we don't understand that and we're not walking in that, being aware of that, we won't live up to the potential of what we can walk in because we, because of our belief system that we don't believe that we're worthy enough or we don't believe that God could actually be that good. And he really is. He's really that good. And, you know, it's, we're in a season right now where we need to know more than ever uh, what our purpose is. Uh, because when we don't have proper alignment, we will reflect whatever we see and we believe about ourselves. Isn't that right? And... Um, you know, it's like our life is a movie and we just have a part instead of starring in it and being the, being the, the star leading role. And somebody else is dictating to us uh, how we're going to play that movie out and we actually get robbed of our, own, of our own ability to be present with what's going on in our life. But, you know, I, I love what, what God is doing because he's, he's, he's bringing an awareness to all of us, I think, in this season, in this season that he wants us to know that he, he is more than enough. He is everything that we need. And all we have to do is lean into that truth and know that he is good and that our purpose for being here is totally connected and tied to who he is. I'm going to read you a story, and you're going to go, oh, man. I'm, I'm going to read you a story. And, and some of you guys might be going, what is this? So I'm going to read you The Ugly Duckling. <laughs> 
And, and somebody's going to come out of here today and say, I have never been to church and had somebody read me the ugly duckling. Today is the day. Yeah, would you come up here, baby? Van, Vanna, come up here and do it, would you please? Oh, what do you hold? I'm just going to hold the microphone. I'm not going to read. Okay. I got to show you the pictures. It'll take longer, but. It's okay. Okay, I'll read and then flip it, okay? So, oh, let me take these. I'm too far away. So. It was, a, it was a warm summer's day, and Mommy Duck, I, I can do it, I think, baby. I, I, <laughs> thank you so much. It was a warm summer's day, and Mommy Duck wriggled excitedly on her nest. She could hear a tapping noise, tap, 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 tap. Quick, quack, quick. Okay, whatever. So, <laughs> I, I obviously haven't read this in a long time. Mommy duck called to the other ducks, my eggs are hatching, come and see. I know, the suspense is killing it. Okay. So one by one, the eggs hatched and, pop, and popped six chirpy little ducklings. Cheep, 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 cheep. Okay. All the other ducks sighed. What sweet little ducklings. Mommy duck beamed with pride. But the biggest egg of all still hadn't opened. And Mommy Duck was sure she had only laid six eggs. So she's wondering, where'd that other egg come from? <laughs> from Mommy Duck. That's all right. My book's not cooperating. So then the, the egg cracks, crack. Just then, a final egg burst open. Oh, gasped Mommy Duck. The last duckling wasn't little, yellow or cute. He was enormous, gray, and, well, ugly. What an ugly duckling, quack, an old duck. He's not ugly, said Mommy Duck, protectively. He's special. <laughs> they used to say that about me, too. <sighs> There's always one. Okay. The next day, Mommy Duck took all her little ducks to the farmyard to meet the other animals. The six, little, six yellow ducklings proudly puffed their little pretty feathers, and all, all the animals sighed, oh, what lovely ducklings. The ugly duckling waddled forward. Hello, he said quietly. Everyone turned to stare at him. He's so gray, said the horse. He's so clumsy, mooed the cow. He's so big, squawked the hen. Look at the little duck. He's so sad. Large teardrops rolled down the ugly duckling's long black beak. He felt all alone. Nobody wants me, he whispered. I'd, better, I'd be better off swimming away. The poor little duckling waddled sadly across the meadow, leaving the farm and his family far behind him. Soon the ugly duckling came to a river where some geese were diving for food. Excuse me, the ugly duckling began bravely. Have you seen any ducks that look like me? No, you're the strangest looking duckling we've ever seen. The geese honked. Brutal. Okay. So the ugly duckling kept waddling. He was getting so tired. And as darkness fell, he crept inside an old barn looking for a place to rest. May I stay here? He asked the animals inside. Can you lay eggs, clucked the hen? No, he, no, said the ugly duckling sadly. 
can you catch mice, purred the cat? He said, I don't think so. And she said, well, then you're no use to us here, as the cat hissed. The ugly duck, duckling quickly waddled away. He kept going until he came to a large lake. If nobody wants me, then I'll just hide here forever, he sniffed sadly. Ribbit croaked a frog. What a funny-looking duck. Fall came, and the leaves turned gold. And one evening, just as the sun was setting, the ugly duckling saw a flock of beautiful white birds flying gracefully across the sky. He said, I wish I looked like them, he sighed. All through the long winter, the ugly duckling had hidden the reeds, ashamed to show his face. When the first rays of warm spring came and sunshine arrived, the ugly duckling peered out of his hiding place and a beautiful and graceful swan paddled by him. And he backed away because he was afraid he was going to be teased. But to the ugly duckling's surprise, the swan swam right up to him and, they, and said, why are you hiding here, asked the swan. Kindly join the rest of us. The ugly duckling was shocked. Surely the swan must be talking to someone else. But then he caught sight of his reflection in the lake, and he stared and gasped in amazement. His gray feathers were now snowy white. He says, I'm a swan. I'm a swan. The ugly duckling cried so happily. I got this. I'm, I'm building up my skills to read to my grandson when he, when he starts, yeah. Just then, a family of six young ducks walked along the riverbank with their mother. Look at that beautiful swan, they quacked. Mommy duck recognized her little ugly duckling at once. She said, I always knew he was special. The ugly duckling ruffled his beautiful white feathers and turned away and proudly paddled after his new friends. The end. Isn't that a beautiful story? <laughs> you know, I love that last part. She always knew. You know, I, I really feel like that's who, how God feels about us. You know, even though you might have been in a place where you've been believing lies about yourself all your life, God always knows. And he's always known about who you are who he created you to be, and what kind of destiny and purpose and what kind of, what kind of things you're going to do on this earth. And now what we have to do is we have to line up our beliefs with his beliefs about us. You know, did the ugly duckling's uh, real purpose ever change? No, it never did change because he was always a swan. What changed? His perception changed because of his beliefs. It was connected to his beliefs is why he stayed in a place of feeling shame and, and, and being feeling disgraceful and all those other things. And, um, you know, your belief in God does not define you. His faith in what he knows to be true about you defines you. And you will always follow your beliefs. You're always going to follow your beliefs. And uh, if you believe, hey, I'm not worthy, therefore you're not going to value yourself. If you believe you're not powerful, therefore you're going to act powerless and become a victim. If you, believe that, uh, if you believe that you don't have a purpose, 
then you're going to do everything you do is going to be you're going to be aimless in everything that you do. One thing I love about who God is, and this is true, God loves to contradict. He he loves to contradict the predictions of our beginnings. He really does. He loves to contradict those things that have happened in our lives in the past because he wants to get the glory out of it. He wants to show who you are in him. And uh, I think that's just really beautiful. I love what God's doing and what he's done in my life. And, you know, when you live from a place of knowing who you are, you really cannot be crippled by the opinions of other people. But you've got to know who you are. And the only way you're going to know that is by reading this word and by reading and understanding what, what God's promises are over your life. How many of y'all ever saw Lion King? Great, great, great movie. My, one of my favorite parts in Lion King is when uh, Simba has an open heaven experience. That's why I call it. Simba had an open heaven experience, and he sees his dad. And his dad's in the clouds, and he said, Simba, you have forgotten me, therefore you have forgotten who you are. And he says, remember, you know. And what happens? Simba just totally, he gets totally just rocked, and he starts to believe again. Hey, I remember what my dad used to say about me. He said I was the heir to the kingdom. I was the heir. Everywhere the light touched, I had the authority to, to, to rule the land. And so when he heard that again, it hit a reset on him, and it took him back to what his dad had taught him when he was young. Why had he gotten to a place where he was just willing to live in a place out in the desert and out on the outskirts and not stepping into his true destiny and his dynasty and, and, and his purpose? Because he had listened to lies. And he had listened to lies uh, in, in his own mind, but he had listened to lies from other people as well. And, um, you know, I, I kind of I can relate to that personally in my own life. Uh, because my entire ch- childhood, I had been told I was a mistake and that I was insignificant. Uh, I, I didn't, and many of you know this, I didn't grow up with parents. I was raised by my great-grandmother. And uh, growing up as a child, um, sometimes other children can be brutal. And, and then on top of that, people can be brutal. <laughs> and some people don't even think before they open their mouths. And so my entire life, I I lived my life up until I got saved of thinking that I was insignificant and that I didn't matter. And I remember after I got spirit-filled and I got saved, I would ask God continually. I I know this was like for the first year. God, do do you think I'm insignificant? And God would always speak to me in my spirit, and he would say, no, I created you for a purpose, and you are significant, and I love you. And that was the truth that I landed on. It didn't matter what I heard around me. It didn't matter what anybody else said. I landed on his truth, the truth. The only way that happens for us is when we decide that we're not going to listen to the lies any longer. And we decide that we're going to listen to not a truth, not someone's truth, but the truth. That's where we have to land because God is the truth. And here's the truth. Uh, God uses broken people because there's nobody else. We're all broken. We're, we're, we all need repair. There are no perfect people. There, there are no perfect people. And he'll use all of us. And he loves to contradict the begin, our beginnings, those things that have happened that weren't great places and things that needed to be uh, redeemed. You know, Mark Twain once said, many of you probably have heard this, the two most important dates of a person's life is the day they were born and the day that they find out why. 
Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's good. The day they were born and the day that they find out why. You know, the truth is God, God uses all of us and we are significant and you have been given the glory that Jesus received from the Father when he sacrificed himself. Jesus said he gave you that glory. That's massively significant because it is the calling card of heaven that is on your life. He's called you to walk in his glory. And you're not stealing his glory. You're actually sharing the glory that he has given his son. And his son has given it to you. And he's given it to you to have a purpose. And that is to reveal to the world that he is good. And that he saves. And that he can rewrite your story. He can rewrite the script of your life and make it totally change. And have the ending that he's always wanted to have in your life. Amen? That's it. Love you guys. Amen.